Hey everyone, welcome to C3 Corumbans podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by a God who is love. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy this message from our preaching series, Unforced Rhythms of Grace. Good to see you all here. If it's your first time or you haven't been with us in a while, we're going through a preaching series for five months on Unforced Rhythms of Grace. Unforced Rhythms of Grace. It's a phenomenal line. It comes out of the message paraphrase or translation of the Bible in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus gives us this beautiful invitation. And I'm going to keep talking about it weekly. I want us to keep coming back to this invitation because here's the thing that I'm so passionate about. We are not slipping into religion. If we don't catch it, I think we need to see this. Timothy Keller talks about this. If we don't, if we don't catch it constantly, you need to know humanity, we are prone to fall into religion. We want to. You, just so you know, you and I want to fall into, if I do this, then God's happy. If I do this, then he's unhappy. If I don't do this, then he's happy. And if I don't do that, then he's unhappy. And we figure out what makes God happy with our things. And we religiousify our walk with him. God's really happy if on Sunday morning I go to church, if I give some money, if I serve every now and again, if I don't get drunk, if I don't do drugs, if I don't cheat on my spouse, God's happy with me, I should make it to heaven. And while those things are amazing, thank you, I'm not saying don't do them, I'm saying there's a heart issue that's more important to Jesus. Never forget the Pharisees. I've been asking this question a lot. I had a chance to even ask Pastor Phil in April at our conference. This question has been burning in my heart for the last six months. What on earth would modern day Pharisees look like? And how would we differ if we met one of them to meeting a disciple of Jesus? What would differ? How do we make sure we don't become Pharisees without thinking of it? Because we want to slip into I don't do these things, I pray, I go to the prayer meeting, I'm in a connect group, maybe I'm a sozo group, maybe I'm even running a sozo group, but God's happy with me. And Jesus met the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, he says, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And the only people he rebuked were the religious people, making it hard for other people to get to him. He calls them, you you brood of vipers, John the Baptist calls them. Oh my goodness. You whitewashed tombs, Jesus called them. You wash the outside, but on the inside you're nothing but dead. He says, oh, you guys travel across the sea to find someone, to, to disciple them, and when you do so, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. Those are hectic words to say to a church leader. <laughs> like, that's a full on. They were the only people Jesus was so severe with. Why? Because their lifestyle was in such order, so perfect, that they thought they were right with God and going to heaven and loved by God based off what they did. And that thing that freaks me out is they were the only people he rebuked. And the reason I want to keep bringing this up is the start of this invitation, Jesus says, are you tired? worn out and burned out on religion and his cure is will come to me how beautiful is that religion is that religion is what the pharisees were doing everything in our own strength our own ability our own holiness our own amazingness our own fantasticism yes i made a word up well done you can write it down and study it later it's greek for fantastic it's 
When we do it in our own strength, Jesus is just sitting there, not happy. Are you tired yet? Are you done yet? Are you at the end of yourself? And in the message translation, he gives us five invitations. So we're looking at each invitation for a month. Come to me. Get away with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Keep company with me. Did you notice the key thing? Every single one of them is with me. With me. With me. And I have to hammer this before today we're going to talk on prayer. So much more, uh, it is so much more important that you get a revelation of this than you get a, a new model or a revelation on how to pray. Don't worry about how to pray. Worry about who you're praying to. Worry about the fact that you're allowed to pray because Jesus paid the price you couldn't to bring you into the very presence of God. Now you get an opportunity to talk to the uncreated. That's more important when it comes to prayer, okay? And so I want us to keep the heart here so we don't slip into being Pharisees, modern-day Pharisees. The, the win for us as a church is not that we have people who know how to pray and, and hundreds of them. The win for us as a church is we're filled with people whose hearts long to be with Jesus. And whatever that looks like, all the mess, all the craziness, they long to be with Him. Has anyone else been watching The Chosen lately? It's been pretty good. I, 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 I wasn't a fan at the start. I was like, oh, whatever. Maybe for a women's event or something like that. I was just like, oh. it's, I just watched a bit and I was like, it's not for me. I've got to be honest. But like halfway through the first episode or towards the end of the episode, Anna's loving it. I'm like, yeah, cool. She wants to watch it again. I'm like, all right, second. And you just start to see these scriptural moments in a reality. And it really starts to just fulfill or change the way you read the Bible. When you see Jesus walking around with the least, the last, the lost, the broken, the misfits, the people who couldn't be Pharisees and couldn't please God, and Jesus is just so in love with them and such a redeemer and saviour. And he brings them in and he gives them a right to be called disciples. Like that is just the most beautiful thing, amen? And so, church, I just in case you miss everything else today, please, above trying to develop a habit of worship or habit of prayer or habit of reading your word or a habit of sharing the gospel or a habit of, of giving and a habit of making disciples, above, above these things, let's keep the center the center. Let's stay in love with Jesus, amen? Let's stay close to Him because I promise you, you will stumble. And when you stumble, the way back to Him is not through you being amazing. It's through His grace. It's through His mercy. It's through Him looking down and going, yeah, I can see it. You're tired. You stumbled. Well, come to me. And He is there with grace to meet you. Amen? Preaching on prayer today. And uh, one of the, prayer is one of those topics you've got to understand. For, uh, for someone to preach on prayer, it's actually daunting. Because there's so many aspects to prayer. I said this two weeks ago when I spoke. There's so many things and angles you could hit with prayer that it's actually quite scary to do it once. Like I've got one more preach on prayer. Next week we've got tag team preachers. We've got Kurt. We've got Pastor Kath. We've got Pastor, Pastor Kath, Pastor Leanne. I'll call everyone. Um, Kurt, Kath, Leanne talking on prayer and their revelation on prayer. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. But for me, I'm like, I've got one more preach on prayer and I've got I to hit it from one angle. That's that's a lot. And so you need to know, like I was reading the Bible, and I'm like, do I preach on prayer as spiritual warfare? Which it is. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, it speaks about the armor of God. As soon as it finishes, talking about the sword of the Spirit, it says, and pray, pray, pray. So prayer is engaging in the spiritual warfare. 
the book of Daniel, it says the moment Daniel prayed, Gabriel was released from heaven to bring him an answer, but there was a spiritual war, war that took place. So Michael, the archangel, had to come down and wage war so that Gabriel could get through to bring this message from God to Daniel. Wild stuff that all was unlocked the moment Daniel started praying. Crazy, right? Right? <laughs> come on, come on. I, I don't... I don't need response, but it feels better and funner, and I'll, I'll preach quicker if you're louder. How about that? All right? if, you're like, if you're like, oh, man, I just want like a double cheeseburger. What? I just need you to shut up. I just want to go and get lunch. All right. Well, the louder you are, I'll get, I'll get to the point. Okay. So I'm going to preach on like spiritual warfare, and I was like, do I hit it from that angle, or do I hit it from like the faith-filled petitioning? Philippians chapter 4, you know, be anxious for nothing, but through everything, through prayer and supplication, Supplication means petition like again and again and again and again. You pray. And then as soon as you pray, the peace of God, which surpasses knowledge and understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Like there's a petitioning prayer we need to pray. The Syrophoenician woman, think of that. She comes to Jesus. He's like, Jesus, can you heal my child? He's like, no, no, I didn't come for the dogs. I came for the children of Israel. She says, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall to the ground. This coming back, like not taking no for an answer. Coming to Jesus again and again. There's petitioning. That's an element of your prayer. There's, there's a, a waiting. I had a whole preach prepped on waiting in prayer. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. In Acts chapter 8, 1 verse 8, go and wait and you'll receive power from on high. In prayer, there's sometimes there's a waiting. We wait for God to do something. I want to talk on that, but I just thought, man, if I've got one more message on prayer to hit the topic of an unforced rhythm of grace, I want to talk on something that helped me the most um, in my prayer journey, which is the Lord's Prayer. And I need to be honest, prayer, prayer, comes, uh, prayer doesn't come easy to most people. Let's just be okay with that, okay? So if you're here and you're like, man, I just struggle to have a regular prayer rhythm in my life, you're totally not alone. <laughs> you're in good company here. I don't, the way I'm wired, I find worship really easy and I find reading the Bible really easy because I've just got something, right? In worship, there's music, I'm engaged. In re- reading the Bible, it's there. I can touch it, I can underline it, it's, it's there. When I pray, I'm such like a systematic logic thinker, the thought of just like praying and there's no audible response or, you know what I mean? I'm like, man, this is brutal sometimes, but it's absolutely imperative for you and I to do. Prayer is potentially the most important thing for you to do. Christian, so please, even if you struggle with it, even if you struggle to form a rhythm, even if you struggle not hearing things, just please, as often as you can, let's just talk to God. Amen? If you've got your Bible, uh, actually, if if you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read out of the message translation today because there's one line that Eugene Peterson writes in his paraphrase of this prayer that just just hit me and when I remember reading it it just smashed me I was like that's the essence of prayer for me Matthew chapter 6 verses 6 we're reading in the message translation Jesus says to us here's what I want you to do find a quiet secluded place catch this so you won't be tempted to role play before God (laughs) it's kind of a punch in the face isn't it But these are Jesus' words. Just be there, simply and honestly as you can manage. This is the bit that stood out to me. The focus will shift from you to God. 
and you will begin to sense His grace. How beautiful is that? That's prayer. Sit there, be with God, till our focus shifts from us to God. Prayer is, is connection to God, and you start to sense His grace, filling the room, filling your heart, filling your mind. The world is so full of, uh, is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. Man, that's hectic. <laughs> They're full of formulas, programs, and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. These are strong words. This is your father you're dealing with. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Is this beautiful? Like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You could do anything you want. You, you're a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. What an incredible passage. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that you would help our prayer lives, every single one of us, that it, we don't just have to start at 100% and clearing out two hours every morning. I pray you'd prompt us just to be more mindful of that you're with us, Holy Spirit. Every moment of every day at work, at home, picking the kids up, whatever we're doing, help us to be mindful that you're with us. Help us to stop and sit and be with you and become aware of your grace. I pray in those moments that when we pray, we know that you're good, you know, we know you're for us, we know that you're in charge. In Jesus' name. Amen. Three things that I want to hit, but once again, I love this prayer so much because the disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray, which is pretty wild, right? And it's something that I resonate with so much because once again, in case you're forgetting, um, disciple is not necessarily like church leader, like someone who has it all going, they've got it all figured out, they're in control. Disciple is the name given the moment someone gives their life to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. It's used 269 times as a noun, who you are, and only twice as a verb, what you do. So the moment you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you are a disciple. Amen? And what the word disciple means, in essence, is learner. Someone who wants to learn. And so I love that the disciples were so humble here to go to Jesus and be like, can you teach us to pray? If you're anything like me, I'm like, Lord, you must hate me. I, I should know how to pray by now. I've been a Christian my whole life. In the past 15 years at this church, like, I, you, I should know how to pray. But keeping that position of, I am a learner, Lord, yet again, can you teach me to pray? Can you teach me again how to pray? And God is so faithful and good, I think He wants to keep teaching us how to pray. Christian, keep reinventing your prayer life. Keep it going keep changing it keep mixing it up it's got to stay alive amen once again to talk about the pharisees i was looking into where did these 
guys come from? Because we don't read about them in the Bible before the New Testament. Jesus comes rebuking this group called Pharisees. And I found it interesting to see that after the, the exile into Babylon in uh, 4, 450 BC, when they came out, they thought they were so convinced that it was a punishment for not knowing the Word of God well enough, not knowing the ways well enough, not having habits formed to live a life well enough. So after that, they started devoting themselves to the Torah, first five books of the Bible. They started devoting themselves to what it instructed, what it commanded, what it demanded of them. And then two centuries later, it happened again with the Maccabeans and this, this turmoil wars going on after that. They said, all right, we are going to commit ourselves to the ways of God. We are going to separate ourselves. The word Pharisee comes from the Greek word pharisaios or something like that. It literally means set apart, set apart ones. They devoted themselves in a good and holy thing at the start. We're called out ones. We're holy. We're set apart. And we want to devote ourselves to the word of God and the ways of God. That's beautiful, right? That's actually a beautiful thing. But within two centuries, what they spiraled down into is people who were so focused on what to do that they forgot the heart of who they were doing it for. That's what a Pharisee happened. Jesus in Matthew 23 rebukes them. He's like, you tithe off your mint and your cumin and your spices, yet you neglect the weightier matters of faithfulness, justice, and mercy. We need to keep our heart close to Jesus. And these disciples humbled themselves and said, keep us close to you. What, how can we pray to be close to you? And there's so much in this prayer I won't cover. But the start, there's just three simple things. I always do three things. Three things to help us in our prayer. Number one, it's a connection. Prayer is just a connection. Do you see who Jesus rebuked? Jesus rebuked the people who come up with formulas. You've got to do this. You've got an hour in the morning. You've got to pray like this. For the first 10 minutes, speak in tongues. For the next 10 minutes, go loud, march around the room. I'm not saying those things aren't bad, but if you put prayer down to a formula, you're robbing it of the power. At essence, prayer is a connection. <sighs> Hallelujah. What a savior. John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus said, you need to abide in me. For those who remain in me will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Prayer is you abiding in Jesus. Regardless of what you're praying for or how long, it's a heart connection to God. Amen? There he is now. It's like I can feel he's so close. Anyone else in the presence of God? He's like calling me. Many are chosen, few are called, whatever. Just one or two. Thank you, Lord. It's this connection. Once again, I was talking about the start. Skip my notes, but okay. So there's a there's a day at the end of time when full blown uh, perfection will come, restoration, connection restored. Okay, but now we need to see that through the cross, the relationship aspect of creation, the Garden of Eden, now has been restored. God created us for perfect relationship. Sin destroyed it. Jesus reconciled it. Amen? And so when he reconciled it, we need to look at what happened in the garden. And that's what is on offer for you and I today. And what we see in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, says that God would come down, in verse 6, sorry, and walk in the garden with Adam. What a beautiful thing. 
It doesn't go into, and then Adam would say this to God, or he'd say it like this, or he'd say it for this long, or he'd say these kinds of words. None of that. The power and the essence was that God and Adam walked together. So much more important than what you pray and how you pray and what's going on. Just, it's you and God. It's a connection. Amen? It's a connection. Number two, it's a connection to your Father in heaven. Hallelujah, what a Savior. There's, um, what's the wording I'm looking for again? Okay, so God doesn't change. His ways don't change. However, there's a thing called um, ongoing revelation. And so there's things about God's plan we don't know yet because He hasn't revealed them to us, but it doesn't mean they're going to change. That's just big picture to bring into this. It's not that God became a father here. But it's something powerful to see that before this moment, this prayer, they had never spoken of God as a father. Isn't that huge? We know him as father. But Old Testament, it's Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. It's the, the unspeakable name, the distant God. Even Moses had to be hidden in the cleft of a rock or else he would die if he would see him. At, at Mount Sinai, they were too afraid to go up. They were like, no, he's going to kill us. Like that was the relationship between people and God. And Jesus is like, you want to pray? Pray like this. My Father in heaven. He brings an intimacy into this. And that's what I want you to catch. It's not like, oh God, I better pray in case you, you come down and smite me or punish me. Are you going to make my business hard because I haven't prayed? Are you going to make my marriage tough because I haven't prayed enough? Like, why would God do that? God's not angry at you. He's just sitting there longing for you. He said, come, come to me, come and pray. Oh man, I'm sick. It must be because I didn't pray last week. Oh, I've got a really bad headache. It must be because I stuffed up my reading program. Like, what are you thinking? God is a good, gracious Father. He just wants you to come. It doesn't matter if you've sucked at praying this whole year. You can start tonight. You can start now. Just start this connection, Father in heaven. My Father in heaven. Um, theologically, it's, it's a beautiful truth presented in this. The, the paradox of God that we see in Scripture is He's both transcendent and He is imminent. Transcendence means He's just omnipresent, omniscient, He's immutable, he, He's everywhere, He's in heaven. We see it here, our Father in heaven. So our Father's imminence means with us now. Imminent and transcendent in one line. In one line, my Father, intimacy close, who is in heaven. How good is that prayer? Before you even start praying, like, I'm praying to a God who's in control. I'm praying into a God who loves me. I'm praying to a God who's with me now and holds this world in His hands. My Father in heaven. That's the connection we have with the Father. Richard Foster says this. He writes a book called Celebration of the Spiritual Disciplines. Great book. And he says, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. You catching that? Five minutes. Give me five minutes. Come on, now. Are you catching it? <laughs> Please don't limit communion to a little... <laughs> oh, what the heck was that? <laughs> don't limit communion to that. <laughs> Awful, isn't it? It's like stale, wet sock, and 
Apparently, that's a sign my sins are gone. Okay, sweet. <laughs> Beg you, don't limit communion to that. Prayer is perpetual communion with the Father. It's sitting there in the presence of God going, I can only be here because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. You're a good, loving God. Thank you so much. See the, the importance of prayer? But see, it's a connection to a Father. I get to spend His presence. That's why I love verse 6. The focus will shift from you to God. And you'll begin to sense His grace. Can we take one minute? I'm going to be done in five minutes. Can we take, close your eyes, one minute. With your eyes closed, heart focused on God. Start to look to Him. Start to sense His presence around you. 100% confident He's around you right now. He's with you. He's in your heart. Sense His grace. His grace empowers us to kill sin, to fulfill the calling that He has called you to, to withstand temptation. His grace empowers us to suffer persecution and trials with joy in our heart. His grace is strength for us. Thank you, God. This is the kingdom, right here, right now, his kingdom come. It's filling your heart again. Our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. And I'll finish with this, hallowed be thy name. It's a good God, amen? amen? Hallowed be thy name. I remember hearing a kid write down a prayer once, which is always hilarious. Uh, my father does art in heaven. Howard is his name. <laughs> Beautiful. Sweet. That's awesome. He does art in heaven. You know, God breathes the stars into being. He's an artist, God. Come on now. He's a creative genius. My father, who is in heaven, Hallowed. It becomes a religious term when we don't stop and explore it, right? Hallowed be thy name, thy king. Like, what does this even mean? What am I even praying right now? Hallowed, it's a, it's a beautiful word. It's holy, separate, praiseworthy, majestic. In other words, when we pray to our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we're praying, not only is it my Father, but you are unlike anyone else. Here's the, the power of prayer. You ready? Prayer is a reminder that we get to know the unknowable. Scripture speaks about, there's a little book, if you're a reader, it's a great book. It's by a guy called A.W. Tozer. It's quite small. It's called Knowledge of the Holy seven or eight dollars at Kurong. Knowledge of the holy. Every flippin' page will blow your mind. Like the whole book is about the transcendence of God, the immutability of God, the omnibenevolence, omnipresence, omniscience of God, the sovereignty of God, the, the, mind, the mind-blowing truth of the Holy Trinity, the independence of God, the eternal nature of God. The chapters are just again and again like, what? This is incredible. 
and without going too deep into all of those things and into what we could explore with the eternal, unmatched, uncreated nature of God, here's something I want you to rest in. And prayer is such a powerful thing for this. God can never be understood. He can never be fully fathomed. He can never be grasped. But He can be known. How beautiful is that? You will never fully work out God. You are so finite. So am I. We, we are so limited in our thinking. He is so unlimited. You'll never understand Him. But you can trust Him. You can know Him. And that's what one of my favorite verses Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. I love this verse so much. I'll finish with this. Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus. He says, oh, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and understanding. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? Have you ever stopped to think about that? Paul, you goose, you got the words wrong, or the interpreters, they clearly stuffed this one up. How can I know something that surpasses knowledge? It's not possible. Something that surpasses knowledge and understanding. I pray that you would know it. What? That's not possible. And you look a bit further at the Greek. The word knowledge there, the second one that surpasses knowledge and understanding, it's gnosis. It literally means head knowledge. So we get the term Gnosticism from. Gnostics, first century AD, believed that they too could become God. Jesus became God through understanding the truths of realities. You too can do it. I had lunch with a guy two weeks ago who was convinced he, Jesus is an enlightened yogi who lived from ages 12 to 29 in India discovering the truths of nirvana. I'm like, yeah, right, oh, Jim. <laughs> so, still out there. But that's a knowledge. That's, he, that's Gnosticism. That's knowledge. Know, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The first word to know is gnosko. I've said this before because it's one of my favorite things in all the Bible. Gnosko is used mostly when a husband and wife join on their wedding night and they know each other. Ever read that? And Isaac took Rebecca, Rachel, whatever his name, and Rebecca, and went into the tent and they knew each other. Like I went reading it as a kid, like, did, what they do, like speed dating? They do some, played Monopoly? You get to know someone pretty well playing Monopoly with them. Like they can be kind until you get Mayfair and then all hell breaks loose, right? Like, that's how you get to know someone. But the word know there, it means intimacy. It's the, the, the crazy truth, this side of eternity. Whatever it is scientifically, mitosis, meiosis, where two things become one. That's, that's marriage spiritually. Where two people become one. Jesus said in Matthew 19, husband, God will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will no longer be two but one flesh. That's no. There. So let's reread that through the lens of Jesus. Oh, that you would fully have a revelation. You would become one with the love of Christ that surpasses anything you can know and understand in your head. That's prayer. Christian, that's prayer. We get an opportunity to stand in the presence and commune to a Father in heaven who cannot be understood, but He can be known. 
See why I want to shift you now? It's not about you've got to clear an hour in the morning, you've got to pray loud, you've got to pray for the other nations of Africa. Do those things, but no, that's not the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer is you in a connection with your Father in heaven who is unmatched. He's unlike anyone else. That's prayer. Pray from that spot and see where God takes you. Amen? Amen? An unforced rhythm of grace is me not giving you what the rhythm looks like. It's bringing you back to a relationship with Jesus. Then it's unforced. Grace will produce these things.